Listening to your favorite podcast? That's smart. Earning your degree online from Southern New Hampshire University? That's really smart. With 24-7 access to coursework, no set class times, and dedicated student support, you can go to school when and where it works for you. Low online tuition means you can even do it for less. And dedicated student support means we'll be with you from day one to graduation and beyond. Join a community of learners just like you. Go to snhu.edu today to start your free application. The legends are true. Overwhelming power. sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Donald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at McDonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. May the best woman, best woman win. Welcome to RuPaul's Drag Race. Yeah, I just said the tail end of it, and I feel great. I have been just, every time Lexi walks in the room lately, I'm just like, come on, girl. Put that face <laughs> in your walk. I bet she loves she it, She loves though. it, because that was like, all right, well, I guess we'll just jump right into it. Today's episode is on RuPaul's Drag Race. For me, and we we kind of, I refer to this as the gush. Kara, uh, we have a guest. Kara, I should also introduce our please, guest. Please, can we please, please welcome Kara Clank, writer of Drew Paul's Drag Race and also host of That's Messed Up, an SVU podcast, which you can get wherever you get your podcasts, which we, oh, baby, we wanted to do together. But it's still uh, absolutely amazing. I'm l- obsessed with the show. And it's so funny because Kara and I, and I and welcome, welcome. Hello. <laughs> we actually bumped into each other at a RuPaul's Drag Con in a time period when I knew nothing about RuPaul's Drag Race. Because you were there race. with Jeff, right? Because I was there with Jeff, and Kara was also there. And that was when you was that right before you started working for Drag Race. It was the year before, wasn't it? I think, I think so. it was the year before because it, um, the following year I was working at the show and I went to DragCon and I had my new baby with me. So when you and I went, I was childless, <laughs> and um, and. Yeah, and I remember I had just like been sort of on a binge of the show and I was like so excited to be there. To be there and be in it because yeah. it was so funny because I was walking around with Kara and you were explaining to me <laughs> the world of Drag Race. Like, thank you because like this is so exciting and I really, really like this, but I don't know anything about any of it. Yeah. And it wasn't really, I needed you that day and I just want to say thank you. You and I did a dance class with Laganja. We oh did do god. a dance class. Oh my god, is that who it was? Yeah. Now I just get so excited. I I didn't know who it was. That yeah, was Laganja. <laughs> Um, It is insane what this show has brought into pop culture and the lexicon at large. I am I am disgusted with myself (laughs) that I am this new to RuPaul's Drag Race. And thank you again, Kara, for joining us today, because we we wanted someone that was more invested in the show to talk (laughs) shop with us. Of course, because it's. 
It's a lot. Yeah. And yeah. I don't know how, and you said you binged it, right? You you watched a bunch of it all. Yeah, I have, you know, I have a gay brother who was has been telling me for years to watch it, years and years, and he... He eventually came to visit me and just plugged his Apple TV like sign up into my Apple TV. And he is he owns every season. So I was like, oh, OK, I guess if it's this easy, I'm just going to. And I just th this was like in 2018 or something, yeah. maybe 17. And I just like went crazy. And like once you start it truly, it's like when you were saying how you like your your fiance or your wife, I'm sorry, like always comes in while you're watching it and you're, or you're singing it like this stuff is like an earworm. Like it just gets in. Yes. All like I remember like when you're watching a seat when you're watching like season seven, you're always singing to the moon all the time. Yeah. And, like when you're like watching another season, you're singing I am American. Like it's yes. just all those little songs. <laughs> Everything's such an earworm. Yes. And when like that reminded me of you saying like your wife coming in on you. Like I was literally lying in my bed once and listening to my husband Jared Logan <laughs> change our baby's diaper, our our daughter, and he literally goes girl if you're not watching untucked you're only getting half the story like, while he was <laughs> i literally went like i literally said something like and i ended with like okay honey and like she was just like that is the gayest thing you've ever said i was like it's just i'm i'm it's over for me we're feeling it but for, i will say like i i i'm so glad to just have this excuse to start binging the show you know i feel like in a lot of relationships you watch shows together, but you try to actually actively have her show and his show or mm -hmm. whatever, right? And so Drag Race was always a Lexi show, but it was that one show, unlike like Handmaid's Tale or This Is Us, which- uh, Very similar to RuPaul's Drag similar. Race, both of them, yeah. <laughs> uh, I'd be like playing on my like games on my PC and I'd slowly, my head would just turn towards the television. Slowly my desk chair would just slide towards the couch and I'd be like watching an episode and really enjoying it. And then- we had uh, like a group meet up with some friends from my like early Twitch community. Actually, shout outs: Tommy said what, um, Amanda, uh, Ch Charlie Chop Shop, and Campstar VR. We had this little meet up, and everybody wanted to go see uh, a Trixie Mattel show at in the East, uh, or I think it was the, I think it was in Chelsea. Actually, now that I think about it, of course, of course, in Chelsea. And I was blown away. I, I Trixie gets on stage. We're gonna go ahead and throw it out there. Trixie's going to get yeah. Their own episode at yeah. some point because I can't. It's Trixie, too much amazingness. Trixie gets on stage, does some. The stand up set was better than most of the stand up I've seen. The the court the lip syncing was incredible. It was like the best of everything in one. And then and then of course also playing guitar. And I was like, oh, I fucking get it. It's like. Way more than just I don't know looks or you know serving up looks or like a lips. It's like. Sometimes when it's really good, there's like everything kind of happening. And I think when Drag Race is really good, you're watching amazing dance numbers. You're watching amazing singing. They're costuming. Costuming. The makeup. The, creative they, the wigs. Drag. Everything about it. And uh, yeah, so I just, I, I had already kind of had a big respect for drag from that. I, I, did, I, went, I had a blast at a drag brunch in New Orleans with Lexi. But really, finally, it wasn't until this episode that I started slamming through. Uh, I watched, I'll say specifically, I've watched like clips from all over the all over the board or an episode here or there from other stuff, but specifically blasted through season six and All Stars season two after Googling it. Just seemed like those were the most like 
generally highest rated if you like look at lists. But I'm sure anyone would claw my eyeballs out and be like, it's, you know, season eight's the best or whatever. Everybody has their own shit. I mean, people people hate on season seven. And I'm like, the season that gave you Trixie, that Trixie gave you Katya, Katya. Like, yeah. that gave you yeah. all these amazing Ginger Minge. Like, I, I love that season. And like, you know, people just hate on, I don't know, like the fandom is crazy, as we all know. Well, that's the thing, too. And I just want to throw it out there. We're afraid of y'all, y'all. <laughs> people listening to this that love the show, we literally are afraid of y'all. I can't wait to be on Twitter with y'all the next season that comes out, too, though, at the same oh, time. Oh, I'm that's there. I'm here for it. It always felt like I'd be on Twitter when a season would be happening, and I'd be like, I'm missing out on something. I can tell because so many people are like talking about the last episode. I but, also really thought that RuPaul's um, the giggling and the laughter clips that happen like every yeah. two minutes on the episodes. The first two episodes was like, I'm going to be driven mad with the <laughs> <laughs> And I, I thought that it was like it was living rent free in my mind like a nightmare. And you hit that fourth episode, I never heard it again. Yeah. It is now absorbed <laughs> into <laughs> my brain. And again, the hypnosis effect. It really is so bingeable. I really think that that is like what is it they've created like a shared language on the show. Yeah. And then they just do repetition. Mm-hmm. Like Notice that they upgrade the show in certain ways. Like it definitely looks better than it did at the very beginning. And oh, like yeah. There's certain things that look better, but they really haven't changed much of the format at all. Uh-huh. I mean, I think there's like a very like if it ain't broke, don't fix it thing going on there where like, yeah. And then, you know, when I was with you at Dracon, I was like, I know what this is. I know what back rolls means. I know what kitty girl is. I know like what, you know, all the aisles at DragCon are named after all the, this, like these pieces of this little shared language that the show has. Yes. And everyone knows it. Yeah. And I remember when I, when I sent in my resume to the person that I was going to be interviewing with or, or to my friend who passed it along or whatever, I remember sort of talking about, and I said, I said, because I said, you know, I'm a huge fan of the show, but I also went to summer camp and that's what makes me feel like I understand the idea of taking like a shared language and, and working within that Hell because yeah. that's what makes, that's what makes me so obsessed with my summer camp. And it's what makes people so obsessed with RuPaul's Drag Race. Yes, exactly. <laughs> you know, all these little things that you're talking about. Yeah. So that's awesome. I kind of used camp and I mean, I got the job. So. <laughs> Hell so yeah. Well, it's a community. Got, yeah. You yeah. immediately, the second you're in and now even just watching, you know, the three, four seasons I was able to consume in a couple of weeks. I understand so much more of the of what it's brought to the zeitgeist that I didn't know before. And in fact, at that drag con, I bought a shirt which I was going to wear today. But turns out I gained a little bit of quarantine weight, <laughs> and I bought a shirt that says "Pound Cake" on it. And I thought it was just fun because it made me feel like I was a thick, juicy piece of pound cake, not knowing that that's uh, that's Alaska's album, right? Uh-huh. That's one of Alaska Thunderfuck's album. Well, it's a it's a it's a character Alaska had to create on the show. Yeah, like, little pound cake is like. Yeah. And then I looked up a little bit and I was like, oh, oh, that's why everyone was laughing when I had it on. Now I understand. <laughs> well, we're all born naked and the rest is drag. I'm ready to for, to get into how they pitch this shit. Yeah. It's it's insane, though, as well. And what I love in reading these interviews with RuPaul of not only talking about bringing a subculture to the forefront of America's puritanical television culture. And it really goes to show with the fight that they had to make it mainstream. This has all been a fight. It's been a fight from the beginning with RuPaul 
His whole career has been a fight. And then what's funny is, you know, we'll get into the lip sync thing later on, but then all of a sudden overnight, Fallon's lip syncing. There's a whole lip sync battle show. show They're taking these things from it, but also RuPaul doesn't even seem angry about it. It's more of... Well, you know, yeah, I did it best and I did it first. And also like I'll just a little dry like literally they've been stealing from queer, queer culture like forever. Forever. <laughs> it is it is forever. a tale as old as time. Um for sure. But this uh, let's take the uh let me st- <laughs> that's terrible intro. But <laughs> let's travel back in time to 2008. There was a little TV channel called Logo which I didn't even honestly I was like is this like, this is like gay crackle? I like forgot all about Logo, essentially. It <laughs> Kara is, Holden hates crackle. I it always joke very, around about crackle. He hates crackle. <laughs> and voodoo. How do you feel about Pluto? Oh. I, is that, that's the one? He doesn't, yeah. Don't give him other ammo, Kara, Don't get please. me started. <laughs> I, part of the reason why I didn't get into this in the first place is honestly, straight up, I didn't know how the fuck to find it. Yeah. And as someone that is not a technological person, and people are like, oh, you just, you've got to like sift through you got to go you like it's like a little truffle and i man i oinked and i oinked <laughs> and it took me until now to get all of it in a way it's like kind of smart how they did it yes. like where where that once it become became huge they were like your only option is to buy it yeah. i mean it was on netflix i think for like a minute mm-hmm. or it was on something hulu maybe but now it's gone and it's like show us the coin gotta do it yeah. and you know what i did it I'm paying for it, baby. Between the world of wonder, like the actual plus, like the wow plus, yeah, and Paramount plus, so fucking smart. I'll pay whatever now. I will yeah. say, I saw season. Six, I, I have like crazy Hulu though, so that I can watch. Like that's how I watch live TV, which is stupid because I'm paying way too much. But I was able to watch all of season six on Hulu. It has some stuff. Oh, uh, okay. You've so, got crazy we'll Hulu, see. but I also have weird Hulu, so I might have like the access to like the deepest depths of it. Um, so. Logo, owned by uh, Viacom CBS, was originally dedicated to lifestyle and entertainment program targeting LGBT audiences. This has kind of slowly changed over time as everything gets diluted, especially television channels, uh, you know, ancient aliens, uh, Discovery, that sort of thing. The channel launched back in 2005 was the first advertiser-supported commercial channel in the U.S. that was geared toward the gay community. RuPaul had been working this during this time, on this idea in his head for years that as he saw reality, and especially the reality competition show, becoming hugely popular around the world. It was based on a suggestion from one of his producers, and he reacted with one condition, and I love this because this is why, this is what I needed to enjoy, like, Great British Baking. I, like, don't like a lot of these kinds of shows. Uh, RuPaul said, I don't want to do anything mean-spirited. I mean, the show gets catty as fuck, so, you it know. It does, well, and that's what there's he... There's a heart, there's a lightness to the... I love that they just separated the untucked. And it made Makes so much sense because proper. I don't care about the the mean side of it as much. I like seeing the like pageantry side of it and the comedy, like the lighthearted humor. Stuff. Yes, yeah, uh, for sure. So uh, RuPaul said, "I wasn't interested in doing anything that was going to cast drag in a negative light or ridicule it, but the winds of change changed my mind." The Obama movement was ha- was happening, and I could feel it in my bones that it was time. Which is interesting because, of course, we know from the first episode, RuPaul left drag and left the spotlight when essentially because George of the George w. w. Bush administration and the war on terror was happening, and it was just like it's not my time. But Obama it also comes goes in. to show that it is a lot to do with RuPaul and politics, yeah. and this will come in hand. We're not going to get too much into RuPaul's controversial beliefs, but it does go hand in hand that RuPaul is a fairly 
even though in the queer culture, a conservative view, I mean, he even has fracking on his 60,000 acres of land. You know, like this is a person that does follow the changes of the tide. And I think that that also comes into play later on and how big this gets during the Trump administration. Mm -hmm. And it like, especially like going off to such an insane extent because of the backlash of what was going on in our fucking country at the time. Yeah. Uh, the producers, by the way, are Randy Barbato, who first suggested the competition show back in 04, and Fenton Bailey. Uh, they are the founders of World of Wonder Productions, who became very tight with RuPaul uh, as his managers since the first album RuPaul released, Supermodel, You Better Work. We talked about it last week. Another member of the team, Tom Campbell, was once an executive MTV, Warner Brothers, and more, uh, joined World of Wonder and gets credit for creating the show title pun and basic format. So Rue, Randy, and Fenton, they developed the challenges, which were based on situations RuPaul came into contact with early in his career, which makes sense because there's a lot of like, RuPaul did that campy stage play and like they do all, do all sorts of competitions like that. Well, know? also in the beginning of the, the show, it was more of like sewing costumes uh -huh. and it was more of a hands-on crafting approach of all of the sides of drag. Now, when you were working on the show, Kara, do you also are do you have a hand in creating the actual competition like side of it like challenges? the different like a challenges? Challenge. Yeah, so I pitch challenges with the challenge. There is a challenge team that is like their own thing, but I pitch challenges and some of my challenges did get made. Cool. Um, so yeah, they're like, but when there's pitching, it's kind of like all the creatives. It's like the challenge team and the writers and the producer, like the executive producers that are all involved in like that mm. whole pitch process of, um, and it's probably 10 people. So yes. That's awesome that, that they bring in other people because I feel that there are other shows that don't have like the actual writers being able to create the parts of the competition shows. As someone that worked on one, oh. I was not too Were I was not an elf. When I was an elf on Top Elf, yes, I was on a co competition show, but um, that it wasn't the writers that were creating any of the challenges. They had absolutely no hands-on experience with the creation of what was going on on the actual show. And I like that it does seem that with World of Wonder that they want to create more of a community aspect of being able to create the show together rather than just one person doing it. Did you feel that when you were working on it or not really? Um... Well, yes, I it's very I mean it's very collaborative especially in like the planning stages like getting all the the challenges and everything together. I thought it was very collaborative like um so basically when I worked on it there was only one writer besides me. It was just two of us. Whoa. What season? I worked on season 12 and All Stars 5. Awesome. Okay. And Celebrity Drag Race. Oh, hell yeah. So you got to work with Jermaine and yes. yeah. Awesome. Hell yeah. yeah. So I saw Jermaine and was like, you know, it was great to see him and um Phoebe like mm -hmm. I was like how do I know two of the celebrities on the show <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> but then I will say like from when I was actually when the show was actually getting going Tom who you mentioned has like a real he has a real vision for what's going to happen and so like a lot everything kind of siphons through Tom okay, okay. Cool. interesting yeah so first they pitched to places like Bravo and E everybody turned him down according to Campbell uh, they heard the pitch, which was a very good pitch, and everyone really loved Rue, but they were like, we can't do drag. 
you know, we can't do drag. You get it. And it was like, really? So Logo ends up buying the show, of course, based on RuPaul's pitch. First meeting right out of the gate. They were just ready to say yes. And uh, they signed on for a premiere in 2009. RuPaul said, I knew the show's mission statement was to celebrate the art of drag. And I knew drag has more significant meaning and power than just what it seems like on the surface. It speaks to the duality of our lives as humans on this planet. So kind of the mission statement there going into season one, which, of course, RuPaul, if anybody's watched it and it is referred to, I believe, as the Vaseline season, right? Uh, yes, because of the filter that yes. is on in uh, season one. It is such one. a weird look uh, to it because of that. And uh, that, I will that say is considered... Which, good for them, pitching and having such a difficult time mm. getting it made, it was actually a success from the get-go, even though it was difficult to find. Totally. And very different from the drag race that we see now. Because RuPaul can considers this whole season to be the pilot for the show. This was just a big test run. And in fact, they re-released this season under the name RuPaul's Drag Race, The Lost Season Revealed. <laughs> and that pissed off a lot of people. Yeah. And especially the people the that won <laughs> yeah. uh, the first season of... Dra- referring to it as The Lost Season was almost as if it was a slap in the face. Yeah. But it's actually still difficult to find because it is not even necessarily considered a part of the drag race world. Yeah, yeah. Which uh, is silly, even though I will say the winner of the first season is on All Stars 3, and uh, he's amazing. Oh my God, his voice melts my butter. <laughs> I'm pussy, bitch. Oh. <laughs> now we know it's a, like a $100,000 reward, I believe. It was originally $20,000 and yeah. $5,000 worth of MAC Cosmetics. The guest judges included uh, Bob Mackie, Michelle Williams, uh, and Lucy Lawless. There was also a miscongeniality audience vote in that first season uh, that they would do over the internet as well to try to get more interactive reach with the audience. One notable thing happening time-wise, the first episode aired just after the Obama inauguration. So much in the vein of how RuPaul decided to leave, like we said, during the war on terror. RuPaul said... We're dealing with people who have been shunned by society and have made a life regardless of what anyone else thinks of them have decided. It shows the tenacity of the human spirit, which each of us watching relates to, and we root for them. I think that's what's so captivating about it, seeing how these beautiful creatures have managed to prevail. And uh, yeah, I definitely I definitely connect probably in that personal way of always having felt in my own way like the weirdo, like the kind of, especially like growing up in North Carolina and like very, you know, private school and shit and just feeling like I need to get the fuck out of here. It is insane. It's fun to watch people get successful and you're just like, man, I know, I kind of know a little, little bit what that, what that feeling was like. Uh, Just a Yeah. Listening to your favorite podcast. That's smart. Earning your degree online from Southern New Hampshire university. That's really smart. With 24 seven access to coursework, no set class times and dedicated student support. You can go to school when and where it works for you. Low online tuition means you can even do it for less. And dedicated student support means we'll be with you from day one to graduation and beyond. Join a community of learners just like you. Go to snhu.edu today to start your free application. The legends are true. Overwhelming power. sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Donald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at McDonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. 
I mean, I know that in such a different way, but it's insane how eloquently spoken RuPaul is, which is why it does devastate me when he says things that I just truly don't agree with. But it, he is such a well-spoken person that there's just, just this quote from him. This is for people to do drag and make it their profession in a male-dominated culture. They have to go through so much emotional tug of war because society says you're not supposed to do that. So the strength and humanity it takes to maintain yourself and your dreams create many different layers of consciousness. That's where the humanity of drag comes from. And in watching it, you, I just love all of the different characters and what they bring. And you see the people that don't succeed on the show are the ones that aren't fully developed as a whole yet. And I think that that is what has been so interesting to see that like, yes, I have my favorites, but they're not always necessarily the ones that should win. Like an Adore Delano, who I do, I really I enjoy Adore. Adore Delano to the point that I started looking at different clips online of anywhere I could see him perform. And he seems to be doing great outside of this, but the breakdown that he has in All-Stars 2 mm -hmm. of not being able that, like to hang. Me. What was that? That devastated me. It made me so sad <laughs> because he wasn't fully at the point that, or he liked who he was and he was trying to push himself into a different box. Yeah. Even in a subculture where you're supposed to be accepted no matter who you are. And I think that's what pushed me away from RuPaul's Drag Race for so long, even though, again, they're saying that they're not, it wasn't created with intent to be mean-spirited. But, I do feel that there's still levels and there's still layers where most of the people in the show are still hot as shit. Yeah. You know, everybody's hot and they're hot whether they're dressed as a woman or they're hot whether they're in costume or not. And it is, there's also part of that where I know that they're trying to work on inclusivity as time goes on. But I just think that, I don't know. I don't even know where I'm going with this. <laughs> I've got a lot of feelings. And I've just been sitting and watching this show alone. And I have so much to say. We're just going to keep sitting here in silence and just let you take this thought trade. Kara, <laughs> did you have any of these feelings when you were watching? I know that you had to binge it. No, no. I, I totally agree. I, I think that, like, obviously, the people that win are usually people that have, like, a fully... Bianca, Bob, yeah. like, you know, the, the people that have like fully formed characters, but then you also get cast when there's just a snap. There's like a, a, a snippet of something there that they know, which I like. And, and I like how Ru RuPaul's always like a, even if just being on the show, you're going to probably have a career now. Yeah. And B, I'm just going to try to work on you and, and elevate you, you know, even if you're not going to win. Yeah. And it really works for some people, you know, like, <laughs> you know, that they, they try to get Derek Barry to get out of his comfort zone, not always do Britney. You know, there's, there's somebody on drag race, the first season of drag race UK who had only done drag one time before Amazing. being on the show, you know? And like, you're, you know, you're kind of like, if you watch the show, you're like, obviously that person's not going to win, but there is something, they bring something to the season, you know? Yes. Yes. I mean, and say I mean, with Shangela. to the finalist in season six. Yeah. Yeah. And you watch Shangela grow from, they, who had only been doing drag, I think, for like five months before he started on the show, and then cut to All-Star season three after being on season two, season three, and then coming back for All-Star season three. And what a difference from the beginning. But it's because it's... It's a, it's your creation. Yeah. You have to put the time and the work and the experience into it to really be the fully formed version because then you have like the people like Milk. I really like Milk as a character, yeah. but Milk wasn't 
fully defined yet when he was on the show. And I think people, some people would argue with you too that um, yes, it is a continuation of a character and a, a rounding out of a character, but it's also money. Uh-huh. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> like, yeah. People also go get money and then when they come back on All Stars, <laughs> yes. they've been able, they've, they've got the contacts. I mean, because the thing that people don't realize too is like, if you're just like some random drag queen from Bumblefuck wherever, you come on the show because you've got some kind of star quality. By the time you come back on All Stars, you now know all these other queens. They're lending the you their designer shit. Yeah. They're helping you. Right. And that's what's crazy. In fact, the an episode I watched this morning, Michelle Visage was like, it doesn't take money to do good drag, girl. Yeah. And I was like, but doesn't it? As someone that like, I know like waist Those trainers outfit, corsets, yeah. that shit's expensive. To, be a, to win uh, the show, it seems like you've got to have some Got to have arsenal. some of it. Yeah, that's the thing. I, I don't know that like, that's just like what the, the like the fandom and the, the celebrity of the show has demanded now that you can't really come on and be super like, like for example, Crystal Method was one of my favorites yeah. in the season that I worked on and she's so great and like a lot of her drag is crafty and then she got crafty every week on the runway you're too crafty it's a little bit too crafty but like you know now I mean Crystal is definitely marches to the beat of her own drum even in the drag world oh yeah but like I I don't know it's like people come on and they're wearing couture and they're wearing custom and it's like you know (laughs) I guess some of that's borrowed so yeah I guess that doesn't require money but you still need it's still it's almost like privilege like you still know the people to give you these things yeah exactly so to start out yeah it's just it's uh that that's uh I I wonder if what Michelle Visage would say about that like now right, right? and that is and what I, and not to I've obviously it's very different but I liken it to the sketch that we did and the comedy that we did for a really mm-hmm. long time where we had fun in creating our own props and creating our own world we knew it didn't look that great and I think that's why then now that I'm starting to watch more from the earlier seasons I'm like I think I actually really enjoy that side of it as well of the like no we don't have a lot of money but we can figure this shit out when like how many times where it's like I imagine that like there are people that are like duct taping their waist in just to get the cinch in (laughs) and I don't want people to do that but it's like there's also that that you're right the scrappiness of like fuck you I'm gonna do this shit anyway of uh, the mentoring RuPaul said all of us are in drag in some form or fashion so when I'm able to discover what a person's blockage is I'm actually always really talking to myself I see myself in them, so I'm able to understand where the self-doubt comes from. It's not something we designed to be part of the show, but it's an integral part of my personality. Uh, Sasha Valores said, when RuPaul is looking me in the eye and telling me, you're a little too serious, have you considered just like making a fart joke? At that point, I know she has seen me very clearly. Also, we spoke uh, mentioned uh, Shangela. Shangela was the one who actually started the tradition of writing a farewell message on the mirror and lipstick after being eliminated. Oh, man. That was in season two, I believe. Shangela came really far, though. I love all... You're going to love All Stars 3. I'm just so excited because now it's not even like as if this journey is about to come to a close. Fuck no. I'm in now. I'm a part of the community now. I know what all the words mean, okay? (laughs) Uh, Also with this season came Untucked the behind-the-scenes companion series, uh, which we were just talking about. That's kind of where you go to watch the tea, get spilled. Uh, and I lo- again, I love that they just allow you to enjoy all those aspects. And I think that the you need that aspect of it and its reality. But I do love how it is kind of se- sectioned off for the most part and it, its own thing. Um uh, so yeah, let's talk about some of the uh, interesting rules and regulations that have come about. Over the- yes. I know, so interesting when you hear me say the phrase "rules and regulations." <laughs> Honestly, 
it is kind but of. It is interesting. In yeah. the world of like where we have, Karen, did you watch The Circle at all? Have no. Well, I, I mean, show? a dear friend, Michelle Buteau, the host. Oh my God. I so amazing. Hell yeah. I love The Circle. And yeah. it is in the same way where I like that. I know that I. it seems that a lot of the reviews are like, it gets rote over time. It's kind of the same, but, 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 but I don't feel this way. Mm. And like, I think that it's always interesting to watch the different people and how they attack a challenge. But what interests me actually the most that like The Circle and like a lot of other reality shows that they started doing this kind of a process where you're not allowed to speak to anybody else. Your phones are taken away. Yes. No internet like that. You are completely cut off from the world in, in a way that a lot of reality shows tried to do. And failed at, and now they're getting more strict about it. Yes, so contestants are blindfolded coming off the plane and are escorted to their hotel from there. They do not get to meet the other contestants until they see them for the first time in the workroom uh, while filming. Which is also cool, because now yeah. I'm watching that first, ep- like those right. first episodes, knowing that like they don't know who the other drag queens are are on their season until they walk in. Kara, did you get to like, did, did you get kind of an introduction to all the contestants sort of uh, as a writer? I had like a little, um, we had like a little board of their faces and their names and like their hometowns and their boy names and stuff like that. So we knew a little bit about them and like, and you could assume that if a Queens were from the same hometown, they knew each other. Right. Like okay, a, the New yeah. York Queens always know each other right. and like LA Queens or whatever. And I think now people, when they're starting to get stuff together or people base, a lot of the Queens figure it out. Who's going to be there Oh, because they're like, Oh, so-and-so is asking around for certain things or whatever. Like, or so-and-so doesn't have any dates on her calendar for this, these two months or whatever. Um, Like, and the fans are always trying to figure that shit out too. Like, I think now they get their friends to post on social media for uh, them. So they don't know who's been like completely dark on social for two months. So, you know, that they just came from doing all stars uh, or they just came from doing uh, like, you know, cause some of these, a lot of these Queens now they came on as nobodies, but like, um, for example, um, Gigi Good had a following, I think, coming on or, um, Aquaria had a huge following before she came on her season just because of Instagram. Courtney Act. <laughs> yeah. So like, so it, back in season two and three, they would come on and probably have no idea who each other were, but because of Instagram and everything, I think now they've heard of each other. They're like, oh, I know this queen. She's this one that does this or whatever. So oh. yeah. So we definitely, um, it was weird. Like there was no, there was never like a thing where they were like, this is Kara, but I, I would meet them as I had to talk to them basically ah, for different gotcha. things. Gotcha. Gotcha. The, uh, also there's a five suitcase limit, which I love. Well, it's weight now because they are, they are cheaters. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Oh, they do a weight limit. Yeah, they okay. do a weight limit now. Sense. Damn. When they just come in with like absurdly big suit, they come in with like a truck with a handle on yeah, it. I mean, they bring like, <laughs> You know, they bring um, big like trunks instead of suitcases or big plastic things. And that's not a suitcase. So it's like I think they had to do it by weight. But then I remember I can't remember who just recently said this. But one queen on some podcast I was listening to was like, yeah, it's so unfair. The weight limit, because if you're if you're like a queen with a size 14 shoe, you're obviously going to have like your big ass shoes are going to take up. I'll make a lot more weight. Oh, right. A Kenya Michaels or somebody who's tiny. Yeah. (laughs) And they are given a list of themes ahead of time time as well so yes. they can kind of prepared in that way and they're I've, given that ipod which honestly they're 
they're given an iPod with the songs on it. So do you yes. guys so, li- for the lip sync for the uh, lip syncing? Yes. Now, Kara, did you have any input in what they choose, or is it, in my brain it is Rue decides all of the lip syncing songs, but that can't possibly be true. Listen, there's a whole list of the songs that they can choose from and how much they cost. You know, they cost money. Right. So it's like if you're gonna get a big ass like fucking Ariana Grande song that's gonna cost you a ton of money, then maybe next week it's like an old Reba classic that's less expensive. Yeah, gotcha. Yeah, yeah. That makes a lot of sense. <laughs> there's a list, but definitely I think that they try to make it specific. I always love how the lip sync songs are chosen because they seem like they are all very like linked to gay culture either now or past yes past present or future like for example i know that rupaul loves the music of alex newell so mm. i think alex has had like two songs in recent seasons even though that might not be a household name that's somebody that rue sees as like a hot up and coming you know member of the lgbt music scene yeah and then and then also there'll be like old ass songs like they did fancy on one of the seasons i was on yes. and um you know like so there'll be older songs that are part of like you know queer culture yeah like a little bit past you know so i always love that they yeah. get but i think too. it's a mix of like you don't want to do the same artist multiple times in a season and it's a mix of money and all that yeah right? yeah yeah and and i know that too's like if they do one of those old songs, like the stream numbers go up for that song yeah. on platforms and, you know, it, it it does like move the needle and brings a lot of stuff back, which is really cool. After the first few seasons, they mandated the Queens need to wear the same one or two outfits for the confessionals. Uh, and then there was also um, the whole filming, the ending with all three contestants having one, which has got to be a total mindfuck, by the way, to do that. But they would... Film uh, after, I believe, uh, is it season three? They yes. would film every contestant winning, which would drive me crazy if I was one of the the finalists uh, doing that and then not actually winning afterwards. I would love to see that footage, by the way, of all the contestants winning. But that was because uh, RuPaul said, I woke up one morning and I was in that weird time between sleep and waking. And it occurred to me in that moment to shoot three different endings. I thought that will fix those motherfuckers after the uh, season three finalist was leaked. Because it's got it. I can only imagine, Kara, the amount uh, of scrutiny you were under and the NDAs you had to sign while working on this show because... I have never read so much because now the lengths that they go to, it seems, or maybe it has just gotten more strict over time, is that like they are trying to keep such an insane lid on everything with this show that it's got to just be so much pressure constantly. I think so. I mean, like we, I we, I definitely had to sign a lot of stuff and couldn't say anything about anything. But like, it was also like, I, I'm, I'm just like, what is wrong with the people that are right. that need to know this shit so badly? Right. Like, yes, you need to know who's gonna be on the next season of All Stars. You, you're gonna die if you don't know. Like, just wait. I like to wait. I mean, like when I was working on season five of All Stars, that was like the format was the lip sync assassin. I don't know if you guys are are that far yet, but no, like yet. that was like a cool format twist, and it was like cool, like. When you get to the show, you're going to be surprised. But like somebody leaked it online with a YouTube video explaining exactly how it works. And it's like, why? I don't get it. I've never understood that with anything, like any kind of thing of like, or people that like trick people into seeing like the end of a movie or that kind of shit. I'm like, man, can't we all just smile? Right. Why do you have to be a 
like a weird content. My terrorist. friend's mom was uh, in line opening night for Sixth Sense, and she like bumped into somebody you just seen the movie, and they just turned to him and said, uh, "Bruce Willis is a ghost," and just walked away. That's oh that's, my that's, god, that is a nightmare person. <laughs> I would be so angry. Can you imagine walking out of the movie with someone that did that? I'd be like, "I'm never speaking to you ever again. I don't want to know you anymore. Right. No, thank you." But that I think that's a reason that they have to do the three endings too. It wasn't even just like the leaks. It's like when you do the live finale, which I love the live finales, the ones that like the Ace Hotel and stuff like, but those involve like a ton of old yeah. queens, a ton of former <laughs> queens, a ton of like just like regular people that are that got tickets. So you cannot expect all those people to keep a secret. So they shoot the three endings because you're not going to know for two weeks and you cannot. I mean, you can't really get an audience of people to sign an NDA and to give a shit about an NDA. No, you know? right. right. No, so no. like so th- I mean, that's the everything is about stopping Reddit, basically. Yeah, so I feel like uh, they also do two runway walks, one with music and one without. Yes, so they can get the judges commentary in there. And what am I? I I love that one of the critiques on RuPaul is like, RuPaul doesn't come up with all that stuff. They He has an earpiece in his ear and people are like feeding him jokes. I was like, yeah, yeah. that's how shit works, That's also bro. reality television. Yeah, but you know what? RuPaul also, like when RuPaul hears a joke that he doesn't like, he doesn't Edits. say it. Yeah, <laughs> totally. The that's best is do. like, the best is like, we would sit there. So we would sit behind Tom, the guy that you mentioned before. We yeah. would say jokes to Tom. Tom would then be like, yes or no. And then Tom would say it into his mic to Ru and you would just see Ru's eyebrow lift like mm-hmm, not gonna do that one like, <laughs> I love it how stressful was that for you like stressful <laughs> did you figure out RuPaul like what the kind of things like how long did it take you were like this is gonna go oh he's gonna like this you know it's just like I, I still don't think that's my strong suit mm. like my 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 writer that I worked with he has been on this show since like season five he's so great his mind just works like that yeah. little puns and like the stuff like that like for me I think my strength was more like writing the acting challenge like getting jokes in that way and stuff like because I I just or 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 putting little jokes in the script Uh but like not really little puns like oh oh no she better donut you know like I just that's I I just I can't come up with that stuff that that quickly it's just not really my um that's not really my thing. I mean, I tried. Yeah. I got some stuff on, but it, it that's not my proficiency. But I think that that's also the kind of thing that m- m- years and years on the show, you can get good at that. But I think you just, sh- for us, we just threw every piece of uh, spaghetti at the wall yeah. and saw what stuck. And then like, Tom decided what to take and then Rue ultimately decides what to take. And then Rue also makes stuff up on the spot. Yeah, I'm sure. I am also, I am very impressed with Michelle Carson and, and, um, Ross, they do not make, they do not have an oh. earpiece. They do oh, not they have anything. Oh, they don't. They make it up themselves. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah. Hell yeah, that's that cool is cool. Yeah. It's just funny because like, even my, like one of my favorite things ever is Triumph the Insult comic dog. And like I, behind the scenes. For me to poop on. For me to poop on. And like the Star Wars one. I mean, there is a team of comic writers yeah. surrounding Triumph feeding jokes to Triumph. Like that's not just Robert Smigel doing all of that incredible material. And it's like, that's just the odyssey. So it was funny seeing like, that was one of the big controversies uh, of the show. Um, And um, 
Yeah, for Untucked, the cocktails are super watered down after Jujubee had too much to drink and did a hammered lip sync in season two. Well, also, apparently, uh, what I heard on a like a Drag Race podcast that I listened to with a couple of the queens uh, <laughs> is that they used to have like also the bottles out and the queens were just like taking the bottles <laughs> and like bringing them back to their hotel. Yeah, of course. So they had to just curb the whole, uh, the whole drinking thing. thing a little bit. <laughs> yeah, that's hilarious. I do like it seems that there's a lot of things that they had to learn while queens would break the rules yes. uh-huh. of like even just like the putting the tape over their doors uh-huh. because so they don't leave and that yeah, kind so of that shit. was another rule that I was trying to get to earlier, which is of course came from the uh from one, Willem. From yes. Willem. Yeah. And are we I, I I asked this as someone that is new to the world of RuPaul's drag race. Are we supposed to love Willem or are we supposed to hate Willem? Yeah. Uh, listen, that's whose podcast I was just referring to. I listened <laughs> okay. to Willem's podcast. Okay. I listened to Willem and Alaska's podcast. I think Willem is amazing, is uh, is so funny. I love Willem. But I I think that they're they're trying Willem came on to that show season 4 with a lot more experience like he, and had done acting and had done all this stuff. So he kind of knew how the game was being played. He did he made a he he cheated around and got his spouse to come visit him. Uh-huh. And then they were like you got to go and he was like okay bye. Yeah. Like and he you know apparently there's a rumor that he ate too much at craft services and made himself throw up and that's why he threw up like <laughs> He ate, he ate too much at lunch. Like he knew he was going home. So he like overfed, like binged, fed himself. <laughs> but like, I don't think, uh, I think if the show wants you to hate him, I don't know, but you, everyone should listen to his podcast a little bit. He, I think he's like an incessant name dropper. And that's my only fault with him. I think he's very funny and great and very smart. I guess that's a good question, too, uh, is like, are there other podcasts that you would recommend surrounding the show? Uh, yeah. Is that your main one? I love Race Chaser. Okay, so Race Chaser is a podcast with Willem and Alaska. Okay. They, they, it, it actually airs twice a week. One as Race Chaser, where they recap current episodes and classic episodes. So they'll be all, they'll, they've started from the beginning. They've done season one, season two. I think they're on season six right now and they'll stop when a new season comes on mm. and do that season Damn. and then go back to an oh, old wow. season. And, and then the other time a week it's called hot goss and it's just them talking about stuff going on in their lives. News of the week. They were answer letters from fans. They look at dick pics on the DMS. <laughs> That's what I listen to more <laughs> because I've, I've already watched a lot of drag race uh-huh. and I like them just talking. Yeah. I think they're so funny. Yeah. I also love Trixie and Katya's podcast of uh, the bald and the beautiful. Yes. Uh, they are so funny. They talk to past drag race people. They talk to other people in their lives that are just fun and it's about beauty. But to me, the best episodes are just the two of them together. I cannot also recommend highly enough. Um, uh, which is their, internet show that they do on YouTube and World of Wonder app. That's how I got into Drag Race, to be totally honest. I started watching that and was like, this is so fucking funny. If Drag Race is like this, I want to watch it. And then the other podcast is um, Drag Her, which is um, Mano Agapian has a podcast that um, I think Nicole Byer used to be that. I've been on it. And Nicole was the co-host. And I think maybe now it's Rachel Bloom. I don't really know who, who's actually, but um, Drag Her is a good one. And yeah, those are my off the top of my head, my drag podcast. Yeah. Love it. <laughs> I, I I just and I really enjoy all of the people that you just mentioned. And I yeah. do want because in the way that like I didn't really want to dive into untucked necessarily um for my brain, I would like to hear them just talk shit though. Yeah. Because I, honestly, it makes me feel like I need to be more creative in how I talk shit. <laughs> I don't know how to read. For shit and watching them read each other, I'm just like, 
man, I gotta up my game. I'm not very good at this. As someone that was a bully for a long time, I'm certainly not good enough at this. And before we go on, I really do want to talk real quickly because I went down quite a worm time looking into RuPaul's designer named Zaldi. Kara, did you did you meet Zaldi at all? I've never met Zaldi, but I've seen Zaldi because um, when they did one of the like, um, you know, they'll do like the spring fall fashion challenge, usually like the first episode. Yes, yeah. Zaldi will be a Zaldi will be in the little. Um, they'll make it look like Fashion Week, where it's like ruined and and Zaldi will be sitting there. Oh, but okay. I I I never met Zaldi, and but I am intrigued by Zaldi. What did you find out? I just I went into such a time of just reading in to essentially, Zaldi refers to their relationship as like a Bob Mackie share relationship. And we just <laughs> recently did share. So then I started looking into the relationship of Zaldi and RuPaul. I'm not going to go into all of it here because they have, they met in, in the late 80s at La Palace Debut, a nightclub in Union Square. And Zaldi went up to RuPaul to talk clothes. And he says, Ru had worn the same outfit two nights in a row. And when I brought it up, Ru told me, when it works, it works. <laughs> and that is when they started working together. That essentially ever since, ever since the supermodel music video, Zaldi has designed for RuPaul and has gone through, like, he went through all of these different eras of Ru where there was a time when he was really way more into how his waist looked in, in comparison to his hips and his shoulders, and that was a big focal point. And then there was a time when he decided to switch and he never had wanted to show his legs into wanting to show his legs. And Zaldi, that was everything he wanted. He was like, thank you, give me those legs! Because, I mean, RuPaul's legs go on for days. And RuPaul goes on to say, I wouldn't go anywhere without Zaldi. Since Supermodel, our communication has gone from shorthand to telepathic. Bottom line, Zaldi gets it. <laughs> RuPaul says, I've never had to give Zaldi direction. The groundwork and the aesthetic for our collaboration was built many, many years ago so that Zaldi has free reign in terms of direction. And if you look up just the design work that goes into specifically RuPaul's outfits for the show, it's unbelievable. And I never really... Honestly, there's so much happening on the show that I wasn't paying attention to what RuPaul was wearing, honestly. And then I started paying attention to what RuPaul was wearing. And I was like, I was, fuck! Yeah, always like, damn. I mean, every episode is, it's, there's a- To the nines! Yeah. And it just, she bring it to you every ball. <laughs> yes! And it barely takes six hours for mm -hmm. uh, RuPaul to get ready. And he usually doesn't like anyone to see the process. Now, is that also, I imagine- also under lock and key on set, Kara. Listening to your favorite podcast? That's smart. Earning your degree online from Southern New Hampshire University? That's really smart. With 24-7 access to coursework, no set class times, and dedicated student support, you can go to school when and where it works for you. Low online tuition means you can even do it for less. And dedicated student support means we'll be with you from day one to graduation and beyond. Join a community of learners just like you. Go to snhu.edu today to start your free application. The legends are true. Overwhelming power. The sauce of destiny. Yes! 
the most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Wickdonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece Nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at McDonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. Yes, yes, yeah. Like, Rue, like, has his own wing of one of the side sound stages that's, like, blocked off and, like, no one goes down there except for, like, the produ- like the very top producers and Raven, who does the makeup, and his assistant. So, like, uh, Rue's assistant. Mm. So, like, there's, yeah. Like, the, I would pass that curtain all the time and be like, wow, Rue's back there getting ready. But, like, I obviously have never been back there. Yeah, of course. And, um, and it does take like, you know, six or seven hours for oh her to God. get into drag. So it's like a, it's a big thing. Um, and yeah, I always wonder like what happens to those dresses after she wears them? Because if it works, it works is one thing, but I don't think she wears anything twice anymore. No. Oh, you know, no, so I'm no, like, no. I know that she has a, uh, a storage space somewhere with like a ton of clothes, but in LA, but I, I don't know, like just. Do those things get, I mean, the Smithsonian yes! is to do a RuPaul like, For sure. fashion thing. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Especially now that RuPaul has become such a huge part of pop culture. Yeah. I think that finally that he will, he is getting the recognition that he's worked this hard to get. <laughs> I mean, sometimes for negative reasons, but that's okay. But I know Michelle Visage sells her stuff on Poshmark, I think. Really? So if anyone wants to Michelle Visage. Good stuff. to know. I think so. I think she would say that. Hell yeah. We have the same birthday, by the way, me and <gasps> Michelle Visage. Oh, uh, yeah. Oh, birthday twins. Did you get to hang out with her a lot? Yeah. Is she at the Simon Cowell that she um, pretends to be on the show? You know, um, I will say that. Ross and Carson were so immediately lovely to me and so nice right away that Michelle takes a little bit more getting to warm up to you. Mm -hmm. Um, And we had a couple of moments. I wouldn't say we're best friends or anything, but we had a couple of moments. Like when I told her, when she was like, you just had a baby. Cause I went to drag race having a five week old baby at home. And like when I late, like Carson always asked me, how's your baby? He was so sweet. Mm. And then one time she overheard and was like, did you have that baby naturally? And I go, yeah. And she was like, how much did she weigh? And I was like, nine pounds, three ounces. And she goes, because you're a woman. (laughs) (laughs) She was like giving me, she was very, for that one moment in time, she really respected me. Wow. (laughs) You're right. At least you got that one. And I got that one moment. (laughs) Of course, Michelle Visage, the longest running tenure as judge, Besides RuPaul, having done 12 of the 13 seasons of the main drag race show, she was a big in the club scene in New York City, as well as the Dragon Ball scene, and could be seen voguing with uh, Cesar Valentino on the TV show The Latin Connection all the way back in 1988. She did music in the 90s in the R&B and dance vocal trio Seduction. She also did radio and a lot of television with RuPaul, including being co-host on Ru's VH1 talk show uh, before joining Drag Race as a judge. So they've been tight for a very long time. Oh, yeah. And she actually takes being called the Simon Cowell of RuPaul's Drag Race as a compliment. She says, Simon is the only one who cuts to the chase. He tells you what he's thinking. He tells you what needs to be fixed, and you want to please him. So that is my role on RuPaul's Drag Race. You want to please me. I'm going to tell you the truth. 
In terms of the other tenure judges, there's also Santino Rice, judged on seasons one through six, and uh, Kara mentioned Ross and Carson. That's Ross Matthews, started out as an intern at The Tonight Show with Jay Leno and went on to do a lot of television work in various capacities, such as being a guest host on The View. Carson Lee Cressley, I was trying to remember, I was like, how do, what do I recognize him from? Of course, we're right from the straight guy. Uh, uh, he was actually a stylist. He worked for Ralph Lauren in the 90s, became a household name when he starred in the Bravo series for the straight guy. Uh, so yeah, and then there's a couple other judges, but those are like the, the kind of long-term ones. And then of course, there's a ton of great guest judges. Yeah, how was, was it dealing with the guest judges, yeah. Kara? Did you, and obviously you wrote for them, but how, like, did you have to interact with them and, or did any of them come up with their own stuff? No, I had to interact with the guest judges a little bit. Um, and it was mostly awesome. I got to meet some really cool people. And the cool thing is, is that like at this point, when I worked on the show season 12, like everybody's so gagged to be there that like, for the most part, nobody's acting like an asshole. Nobody's acting like a diva. They're just like so excited that they're on the show. Right. Um, when you guys were talking about how, you know, they walk the runway a couple times, like, you know, the, sometimes the second time also gives the guest judge a chance to say something. But a lot of times the guest judge is like a pop star. Yeah. They're not good at improv and they're Same. not funny. Right. So like, you know, we'll give them some lines and say, hey, do you want to record some of these lines? And we'll just record them audio, sing them, and then they'll... A, they'll sound like they're saying them while they're walking down the runway, you know? But um, for the most part, it was a dream meeting. A lot of these, uh, a lot of the guest stars, they were really cool. Hell That's yeah. Awesome. Yeah. You're right. It, it's got to be just so exciting. Like, of course I want to do it. Because if you're already saying, like, I, I saw that, I think Dolly Parton's been asked to do it, like, 15 times and she's like I don't have time for this um, I love the show and I love what you're doing RuPaul but I don't have time for but this but then also Lady Gaga like tweeted out like please please ask me yeah show. and like and when I was on it um uh Whoopi Goldberg was a guest oh, and yeah. Whoopi Goldberg famously does not fly uh, so yeah. they had to wait for a time that she was bussing across she takes a like she takes like a big tour bus basically across the country. Wow. So they had to wait for like you know that, but they got Whoopi. You know that's awesome. I love to uh, Michelle Visage is like really good friends with Leah Remini. Oh so yeah, those, those always, two like, are spicy, like a couple little spicy yeah. episodes. Click 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 click. <laughs> yeah, it does get spicy is a good word to describe it. Yeah 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 yeah. Super fun. Of course, the hardest part of the show is when we say goodbye to the contestants we love. RuPaul said, I wasn't really prepared for the emotional roller coaster I would experience in eliminating girls. But then after the first season, I realized that even the first girl who is uh, eliminated becomes a star and is world famous. So it doesn't really bother me that much. So at least there's that. But I you, you, I think those are some of the most touching, you know, in season six when um, RuPaul's talking to Trinity and like gets emotional. And you see, I mean, there's real... There's a real connection there, it seems like, and as cutthroat as it, I'm sure it is as well, there seems to be these moments of like just people trying to hold, pull each other up. Well, and that's what I also like of the, then there's the season like All Stars 2, where everyone does kind of get buddy-buddy, and then it comes, it hits you hard with All Stars season 3 of like, I'm not your friend. Uh -huh. We're in a sisterhood, fine, <laughs> but I'm not your friend. Uh -huh. And it comes back to that bitey side of things because at the end of the day, it is still a competition show. And you do have to be, you know, and part of that creating of a character of who you are on the show is being the mean one, is being the loud one, is being, uh, regardless of who you are, you got to fit into one of them if you want to get the airtime. And, and you seems, better work. And you better work. So I mean, like, that's been like my mantra. For the and, last two weeks. <laughs> and Kara, did you ever feel that like that in the show? And I, of course, I, it seems a lot of queens blame the editing on 
how they are portrayed. But do you feel, at least on the seasons, if you're allowed to speak to it, that there was anyone that you saw afterwards, you're like, that's really not what was happening. Yeah. But I feel like that was... Because that, of course, was one of the big controversies, by the way. I believe it was... And by the way, uh, I just watched that season with um, uh, Fifi. And I mean, I guess there was editing going on there, but it didn't seem to... You know, I mean, what was said was said. Fifi called out the show for editing things to misrepresent what happened on the show. What would you say, Karen? Listen, yeah. Fifi, it's like, it's kind of hard to say that so many moments of yours were right. taken out of context. Right. <laughs> exactly. You just had so many moments and then you came back for this redemption storyline in All Stars and then it, you Blew it was it, the same shit. Like, yeah. So like, that's there. That's one thing. Um, But like, in a way that's just delusion. But, but like, there's definitely, I'm not going to name any names, but like, there's definitely bad edits. They give people a bad edit sometimes. Okay. Yes. I, I'm not going to say like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I don't think anyone can, I don't think anyone can deny that. I mean, there's like certain people that come on and they're just like, you know, they're nervous or there's something or whatever. And the show like, hi, like hype heightens it. to the point where it's like, oh my God, they're so insecure. They're so bad. Like, and it's like, no, I, that's not really how it was going down right. when, when you were watching it live. But um, also I find that the last like four seasons of the show has just been like a lot nicer. Mm. Like there's really not a villain. If there's a little scuffle, it's usually over in like two minutes. Like even this last season, there was all this yelling on the show that it resolved very quickly. And then it wasn't until offline on social media that they really like Tamisha Iman started having a lot of um, public issues scuffle yeah. on like, yeah, like some hullabaloo was going on on uh, on social media. And like, that's just they resolve it so quick on the show. It's like I even think Untucked the last couple of seasons is like nothing's really happening. We're not anywhere near what we were with like Shangela being uh-huh. like, right? Because I am what sickening. <laughs> we're just we're not getting these like classic fights anymore. And I think that that's kind of just the way the show is going. The show is going towards more positivity, right? Yeah, which is kind of important because I think now it's starting to become. Um, very representative in a lot of ways are becoming this flagship for, you know, pushing for equality, pushing for, and I, I, so I get why they were trying to like steer away from just like people screaming at each other uh, to try to maybe not alienate. That's what sells the show. Yeah. Like if you watch season, if you guys watch season three, there's literally a mean girls plot where it's like (laughs) boogers versus Heathers. I mean, like there's this like meanness, undercurrent that's going on with like we're the hot girls and you're the losers Mm. and like now it's kind of like hey like you didn't give me that fabric that I wanted and that felt kind of hurtful and then they just resolve it and they move on right they all know they're walking away with a career yeah and the only thing and the only thing they can do to actually ruin that because even um What's their name was saying that? Is that what Fifi, Fifi was, was saying? saying yes. Like, oh, after I left the show, it became like harder to get bookings in certain ways because, I was because the of the way one. I was presented. Yes. So I think if everybody realizes, like, if you're that person on the show, that's the one thing you could do to fuck yourself out of having like a lot more money, a lot more, you know, work in the circuit, you know. Right. I think it also just goes, yeah, it goes to show just also be nice in, yeah. in life. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, just, just be a general. good person when yeah, you can, totally. if you can. But that's not to say that I don't love a good read. Yes. Ooh, I don't yeah. think I don't ever I don't want them to ever take the edge out of drag in the sense of like when you are in like yes. a sisterhood and a community, it's okay to like rib your friends and and do pu- the puppet challenge and the reading challenge and stuff like that. Like that's all so valuable in drag. But I think, yeah, making there be a villain or telling someone you're just a loser, you're never going to be good. Right. You know, like there's different 
That's different. And also, again, it's the same way whenever we talk about roasting, you know, comedy roasts, which mm-hmm. it's not always my kind of humor unless it's funny. Yeah. Same with reading. Yeah. Same so with like shade. Like, be funny with it. Reading challenges. Yes. Like, that's kind of what that felt like. Like, oh, this is sort of a roast battle thing. Yeah. Um, well, but of course, I think. What predated what, actually, now that I think about it? I mean, you know, there was reading and there was Probably, re- yes, I'm sure reading predated it. Um, because, I don't know, man. Well, Dean Martin roasts, though, back in the day. I don't even know. It's like forever. I, you know, it really, it, we, we uh, uh, I like reading better. Heteronormative culture has stolen <laughs> so much from queer culture forever. It's kind of, it's really insane. To even think that this show was so hard to sell because people, like, the, the, that so many networks were like, we're not ready for drag. America isn't ready for this yet. Like, who is this? What's this gatekeeping heteronormative bullshit? Yeah. Like, well, who are you speaking for? But it had to start on like a farm league channel, yeah. essentially, you know, and then got to where it got. Randy Barbato said, we don't have an agenda. We are not particularly political. We are all big, loud gays. We always have been. But what makes us the happiest of anything about the nominations, referring to the eight they got in 2017 for the Emmys, is to be making a show that recognizes actual artists and gives them a platform. And not just the queens who are on our show, by the way. People are now interested in drag in general. Season one winner uh, Baby Zahara said... uh, When we were done filming, I felt that unless you are a cold-hearted snake, there is no way that you will not identify with these persons, or personas, rather, on television. That's how I knew this thing was going to be big. And it's definitely helped so much. I mean, you you look at Bianca Del Rio, and Bianca Del Rio, who has been, like, traveling the world, has had four, like, sold-out comedy tours, and, and... RuPaul started a lot of this and created a culture that made it not only that it was like four solo comedy tours that were also went international as well and is bringing this to a forefront of like this is a this is a part of entertainment and comedy that should be respected and and it wasn't to su- for such a long fucking time that now we get to see Alaska Thunderfuck explode and have a bunch and Trixie Mattel doing that uh the Orville Peck song oh so good I don't know if you are if you're a fan of uh Orville Peck I know that they did a collab but I didn't see it it's great it's It's, great they sing Jackson together and it's just unbelievable I love Trixie's music I like have Trixie's music I Uh, really like her albums I really like her music season nine contestant Sasha Velour uh said this about watching season one at the time, I remember watching it and being so shocked to see people who were that that queer looking on TV. Up until that point, I was dressing up in drag, but I didn't live anywhere that had a drag bar scene. As the show aired, it started showing up in places, and I took my drag out of the bedroom and onto the stage as a direct result of watching Drag Race. Hell yeah. It was amazing. And Sasha's like just like an artistic powerhouse. I yeah. mean, that Sasha's like a performance artist, mm-hmm. like really. Mm-hmm. And also, now that I'm getting more familiar with the entire community I'm realizing how much I've seen so many of these queens in so many as someone that works in pop culture and just didn't realize who they were and I'm ashamed of myself and here I am admitting it but we have to learn sometime and I'm so excited to be a part of it now of course there are uh, just uh, to not leave them out some spinoffs and international versions there's all stars we've been talking about plenty I mean it's fantastic especially because we keep talking about how you know even the losing contestants they get these great careers after and so it's so great to see these fan favorites get a second opportunity to come back and really show and show us the growth. And also, if you thought that it was difficult selling Drag Race 
in the States, it was very difficult to get it, to, to pitch it over at The BBC. international versions, yeah. Yes, the, BBC yeah. was especially afraid. Mm. Barbado said, it's not the audience or the fans, it's the gatekeepers, it's the executives. No shade, intended. They need to discover the show first. It's often because their kids tell them about it, and that's actually how they got into the pitch room to sell um, Drag Race UK, is because one of the executives' teenager was like, you should you should watch the show. Everyone in the states is obsessed with the show. Watched it and then took the meeting with them. Yeah, there's now a Chilean one. There's Thailand, which apparently one of the seasons that is particularly solid. The UK one, people attribute to kind of helping them in the early stages of pandemic. I believe UK two. I love UK. It's so good. Yeah, yeah I, I need watch to, it. I need to go watch it. Australia and España. Uh, all have versions now of Drag Race. So we talked about a couple of the controversies. Fifi saying the editing, you know, told lies. We talked about the Willem stuff. But then, of course, there's also been some controversy surrounding trans stuff and RuPaul's reaction to that stuff. Um, I know one of the first big ones, season six, had a female or she-male challenge, which queens had to guess if a celeb portrait was of a biological or psychological woman, quote unquote. Uh, uh, After viewer outcry, they removed the episode from all streaming platforms and a joint statement was issued from RuPaul and the producers who said, we delight in celebrating every color in the LGBT rainbow. When it comes to the movement of our trans sisters and trans brothers, we are newly sensitized and more committed than ever to help spread love, acceptance, and understanding. That was the joint statement. Of course, later RuPaul, though, did say, our show has always come from a place of love, and the people who called us out, they knew our position was a place of love. They intentionally misrepresented our intention to further their cause and to bring attention to themselves. So it's a big, you know. And he has gone on... Unfortunately, RuPaul has said drag loses its sense of danger and its sense of irony once it's not men doing it in reference to having trans people on the show. Now, this was a couple of years ago, and the the Vox article that I read did write this. You have to understand that he RuPaul built his career on the principle that no one should take themselves or gender particularly seriously. In fact, as he told Vulture, his vision of drag is that it's meant to remind culture to not take itself seriously. When he gets asked about the trans community's relation to drag, he said he just gets bored because we mock identity. They take identity very seriously. Mm -hmm. And he has drawn the line between trans and drag. And I do not agree with what he has said, but if there's one thing we have realized about RuPaul, especially in the past couple of episodes, is that RuPaul worked very hard to get where he's gotten, and he believes what he fucking believes, and he's very stubborn about it. And he has apologized for what he said, and I know that he wouldn't apologize for no fucking reason, but it is hurtful, and it is upsetting to the trans community for RuPaul, who's supposed to be and wants like no mean spiritedness in in queer culture, and and to bring the subculture up to the you know the the nomenclature, and um, <laughs> it does sadden everyone when they hear him say these things, and uh, and it sucks because it does take something away from this show, and now that they are trying to be more inclusive, they're trying to include more. diverse diverse queens as well as trans queens. And I know that they are working on this, but it's hard because I really respect RuPaul, but I don't respect how he feels about this. Mm. And 
when in referencing to I, yes, I will also say I, I but I get the whole part where it's like the whole time I've been we've been making fun of gender, you know, it's like a right. hard and like a lot of you know what I mean. So I don't know, and it's it, it it's it's difficult um, because also again it's not my culture and I I can't speak for it. But I, I, just, I felt we would be remiss to not talk about. Sure, I what think RuPaul it's definitely said. a part of the story, and it's continually ongoing. And they have recently did have their first trans contestant. Yes, which I am happy about. But he's still fracking on that sixty thousand acres of land he's got <laughs> with the fracking. Kara, what do you think about trans? <laughs> I'm a stand for Gottmik, baby. Yes. And as trans drag king K James puts it. The major point of performing as a trans person for me is taking control of how people see me because trans people are objectified. We face violence and street harassment or just being generally stared at, being objectified and pathologiz- pathologiz- pathologized. Pathologized. You don't use pathologized. Pal- pathologized by doctors in the medical community as a whole. But when you're a trans person and you get to put yourself on stage, you're basically inviting people to objectify you in a way. But you're taking back that control of that objectification. Mm-hmm. And I also have some closing quotes. Okay. <laughs> um, be- uh, before we close it out, Kara, anything else to add uh, about your time working on the show? I just so happy that we got you here to talk about this because it's amazing no I mean I'm happy to, I'm always happy to answer questions but I'm like well, at the top of my head I'm like I, I don't know I I uh listen I enjoyed the time that I worked there. there I had some problems with working there like it wasn't all rainbows and roses but I'm still so deeply obsessed <laughs> with the show that it speaks to the show yeah. like literally even though sometimes I'll watch it and I'll be like I can see what they're doing here and like it doesn't matter I just love the show I love drag so much that um, I'm so excited the world's opening back up because I'm dying to go see some live drag again yeah, hell yeah, yeah. and sure. also if if I may be so bold do you have a favorite drag queen from all of your time of watching I mean RuPaul's Drag Race ugh, a favorite can I do like four favorites yeah, or something hit us with your yeah, like, hit us with four for you. Okay. with your favorites my favorites are Jinx Bob Trixie Alaska yeah. hell yeah I mean those are probably very standard yeah but I love those fucking queens so I also loved Crystal Method as I said in her season just a wacko I love her <laughs> controversial <laughs> statement I'm gonna go ahead and throw it out there I wanted Detox to win All Stars too. Oh, and I'll fucking say it. I detox. love Detox. I'll say it. I love Detox. And, and served better looks on the runway. <laughs> <laughs> I love Detox. I mean, Detox in the black and white at the oh at the at the, re, at the finale is like one of the most amazing feats I've ever seen. And I will also say Shea Coulee is a favorite. We just had her on the live podcast, a live version of my podcast. Hell yeah! Uh, and she was so great. I love her. That's oh awesome. hell yeah! Well, RuPaul said for my final quote, Jackie. And then you can do yours. I didn't know how poignant and how deep the show would be. I knew that we were going to celebrate the art of drag. I didn't know the several levels of importance the show would have. It means a lot to me because I've been famous for many years. I've done very well and made a great living at it. But ultimately, all of that really does fade away. And what you're left with is what you did to be of service to human beings on this planet. And I feel I've been a part of something that has been of service to humans on this planet because of our show. Hell yeah. Try to out final quote me uh, with that Out one, final Jackie. quote you. This is also from Rue. <laughs> my therapist said, you know, the power that you feel in drag or my Superman or Wonder Woman, you know, you can access that at any time. 
I tell you, it had never occurred to me. Because you put the outfit on and immediately people see you differently. They treat you differently. But I have that same power out of drag, which is monumental. It's huge, that concept. And I want the kids on the show, the contestants, I want them to understand that that is huge. And for anyone listening, you can access that power at any time. You are an extension of the power that created the whole universe. Stop playing small. Play your greatness. Do your greatness. I think most people don't play their greatness because it takes a lot of responsibility. You have to be mindful and you have to take care of yourself. And you better work. You better work. Thank you again so <laughs> much, Kara, for coming on the show. Again, Kara is a, is a co-host of That's Messed Up, an SVU podcast. You can find it wherever you get your podcasts. And Kara, do you have anything else to plug? I'm on Instagram at Kara Clank. Follow me. Let's see what, what shakes out. You I know, love I'm on Twitter. <laughs> Thank you again. And my name is Jackie Zabrowski. You can follow me on Instagram at Jack That Worm. Hold McNeely. Check me out. Twitch.tv forward slash Hold Daters Ho. Patreon. Patreon.com forward slash Page 7 Podcast. That's all I'm going to say. Enjoy us on Fridays. Jacking with the Holdies. <laughs> uh, 6 p.m. ET. That's and we're going to keep talking to you about RuPaul's Drag Race over at Jacking with the Holdies. Yep. So come join us every Friday. Yeah, we love you guys. And we'll talk to you soon. Hell yeah. Take care. Bye. This show is made possible by listeners like you. Thanks to our ad sponsors. You can support our shows by supporting them. For more shows like the one you just listened to, go to lastpodcastnetwork.com. Listening to your favorite podcast? That's smart. Earning your degree online from Southern New Hampshire University? That's really smart. With 24-7 access to coursework, no set class times, and dedicated student support, you can go to school when and where it works for you. Low online tuition means you can even do it for less. And dedicated student support means we'll be with you from day one to graduation and beyond. Join a community of learners just like you. Go to snhu.edu today to start your free application. The legends are true. With overwhelming power. The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Wickdonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece Nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at Wickdonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last.